Lime here for the first time with yes. At the Table with Gail. Hello, Gail. Yes, nice to have uh, somebody else, but I must admit you are filling in for Tanya. I am filling in for yes, Tanya. Hello, yes. Tanya. Uh, hello, Tanya. She'll be listening yeah. in saying, what's she going to do with my show? <laughs> yeah. No, welcome, and uh, it's lovely to be here um, to, you know, to get the ball rolling. So my name is Catherine. For those who haven't heard me on the airwaves at Coast Access Radio before, but you'll be hearing a little bit more of me at some stage. But for now, it's all about you, Gail. What are we going to delight the listeners with? Well, we've got this cake that I'm going to start with. And, oh, cake. Uh, I've, uh, yes, cake, cake, yes. And uh, you'll get to know that I do like cream, so we'll probably <laughs> end up having it with cream. Not that I've got one sitting in front of me. No, thank but, goodness. Uh, but anyway, I, um, yeah, it's, um, it's actually uh, quite a bit to do if I'm sort of making all these <laughs> these recipes for, you know, when I come along. Yeah. So the odd time I do make them, I must admit. But we're going to start off, as I said, with peach honey and semolina cake with almonds. Mm. So um, we'll start off now with the ingredients. We've got two tablespoons of ground linseeds. One ripe yellow peach, halved and pitted. Obviously, you're not going to put the stone in. Juice of one lemon. One cup of um, semolina or durum flour. They must be quite similar. Uh, One cup of uh, white flour. One teaspoon of baking powder. uh, A half a teaspoon of um, bicarbonate soda. uh, Two-thirds of a cup of olive oil. And make that the mild flavour because it's actually going into a cake. Um, half a cup of uh, honey or maple syrup, whichever you like. Two-thirds of a cup of milk of your choice. Now, that can be soya, rice. There's so many different milks yeah. now, Catherine. Yeah. Honestly, there is. Yeah. You can just Great. go in and get anything you like. Yeah. And I've actually tried a few of them. The oat milk's particularly quite nice. Okay. So any milk of your choice. It can be good old cow's milk anyway. And then we've got a quarter of a cup of flaked almonds. Now that's all the ingredients and we're going into the method now. So you're mixing the linseed with about a third of a cup of water in a bowl and just set it aside and finely slice the peach and set it aside in a bowl with the lemon juice. Now don't forget the lemon juice because we know what happens do we? when we do. What yeah. happens? What happens? The peach goes brown. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, to make it sort of look pleasing to the eye, you've got to, you know, make sure that you do add that lemon juice because when you're putting it on the cake, you don't want it to be ugly and brown. Right. So it's still nice and beautifully, you know, peachy. It's what we get the experts in. <laughs> now, first of all, we're going to um, preheat the oven to 180 degrees Celsius and please grease and line, as we always do, a 23-centimetre uh, loose bottom or spring form cake tin. And I always sing the praises for those when we're doing this type of thing, Catherine, because, you know, it's really important to get your cake out when you make such an effort oh, yeah. uh, to do these things. And I'm, I'm very keen on um, having it lined with baking paper because even though you grease it, sometimes you just need that little bit extra. Okay. So in a large bowl, combine the semolina, flour, baking powder and bicarbonate of soba. Make a well in the centre and pour in the olive oil, honey or maple syrup, milk and soaked ground flax, oh well, flaxseed or linseed. I've chosen linseed. Mm-hmm. Fold the ingredients together until no flour is visible and the batter is smooth. So that doesn't mean that you're beating the life out of it. You know, you're sort of folding it in, nice big wooden or metal spoon, and just do that. Pour the batter into the cake tin and arrange the peaches, you know, make it look beautiful, uh, in a spiral beginning from the outside 
and working inwards. Of course, you can create your own design, of course, but, you know, this is what I'm telling you to do. And, of course, that peach will look beautiful because you've put the lemon juice on it, remember? Mm -hmm. So, anyway, we're doing that. And gently just press them in, just press them into place and sprinkle with the flaked almonds on top. Oh, it's tasting good already. Sounds really delicate and delicious. It does. Well, and it's, you know, it's not as you can hear me, you know, Catherine, it's not a, not a lot of work, really. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're putting that uh, into, the, into the oven and bake the cake until it's golden and not forgetting to put a skewer in to make sure that, you know, the centre is cooked and when it come out and nice and clean. Now, that's after about 30 minutes in the oven. And, of course, as we always do, we allow to cool in the pan and then transfer to a rack. Yeah. And there's nothing else you have to do with this. I mean, you could, when it's completely cold, because you don't put icing sugar over warm stuff because it sort of melts. But if you, when it's completely cold, if you want to be a little bit fancy, you could always sift a bit of icing sugar over oh, it. Oh, go fancy. Yeah, go fancy. If you're going to do the, the effort of this beautiful sounding cake, you might as well put some... Icing sugar on top. Yeah, and and of course, as I said, um, I'm a bit of a cream freak, so you know I just like to have a little bit of cream with it too yeah. as well. But very, very sort of posh looking. Now I usually do this with Tanya. I hold up an illustration, and Tanya goes, "Oh wow!" So oh, we'll better, wait for Catherine. I better do the sound effects. Oh, that does look delicious. It does, doesn't it? It does, yeah. and you can yeah. make that one really easily into a, a vegan version. Oh, you could. Because you could take the honey out and put the maple syrup, as you mentioned. Yes. And, of course, any any milk that you desire. Yeah. And so that's a good one. Oh, it everybody. is a good one, actually. You can, yeah. too, because not forgetting, too, uh, you can put gluten-free flour in yes, or rice true. flour, yes. substitute. I've done that quite a bit with baking um, in my house. One of the family members is, you know, gluten-free yeah. and dairy-free. But, you know, but basically you can do these little replacements if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And well, you've got it all in your pantry. Yeah, and that does really look, listeners, yeah. that really does look delicious. That's good. I'm going to make that one. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all going to make them. Some I do, as I said before. And uh, if I'm lucky, I'll take a photo. But if they fail, I'm not so keen on taking a photo. <laughs> That probably still tastes good, though. <laughs> yeah. So the next one we're going to go to, and I thought, I looked at this, and uh, I quite like risotto. I've never been perfect at making one. Is that because of the stirring that's involved? Or? Yeah, it's mm. it's quite, you know, it's quite something to have a risotto. I love risotto. You know, if I do go out to somewhere where they have risotto, I always, you know, buy it and have a meal. But, uh, but anyway, this looks not too bad, and I think, as it says... As we go down the recipe, you put in the water very gently, you know, at a time, or okay. stock, or whatever. Yeah, stock, yeah. So don't just pour it all in. Yeah, nice and, and slowly. Uh, yeah, nice and slowly. But this one looks lovely, and I'll show Catherine the illustration when we get through it. And I'll do the appropriate um, sound beautiful. effect. Beautiful, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, this got a pesto with it. Now, I know in past that I have given out a recipe for pesto, but this one goes with this particular risotto. So we'll start off with the pesto recipe, and we've got three green um, capsicums, one clove of garlic, 50 grams of smooth peanut butter, juice of one lemon, 50 mils of olive oil, two to three tablespoons of water, and 30 grams of basil leaves, which I've got in the garden and looking beautiful at the moment, and a handful of roasted peanuts. Now, this is optional, so you don't have to use it, but, you know, I could add it could add to the crunch of the uh, the whole dish. Yum. So that's the ingredients for the pesto. So I'm going to move over now and give you the recipe for the risotto and then we'll marry them up together. Okay. So for the risotto, we've got one and a half litres of vegetable stock, one tablespoon of olive oil, half an onion finely chopped, 
one and a half cloves of garlic minced, 300 grams, and this is the risotto rice, isn't it? Aboro. Yes, aboro rice. Yeah, aboro rice. 125 grams of frozen peas. 125 mils of dry white wine, but believe me, don't worry if it's not dry. Just whatever you've got in the cupboard that you drink yourself. Yeah. I've yeah, remember some... it goes into the risotto, not yeah. down your throat at this point. <laughs> oh, she's a woman after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> Quarter of a teaspoon of sea salt flakes, freshly ground black pepper, and a little bit of grated or shaved parmesan to serve. Okay. So that's our ingredients. So we're going to look at the method now. And we're going to preheat our oven to um, 200 degrees Celsius. Now, line a large, here we go, lining again, mm-hmm. uh, a large flat baking dish with pa- baking paper and halve the capsicums and arrange on the baking sheet, cut side down and roast them for 30 minutes until slightly blistered and soft. Have you done that, Catherine? I have. Do you like roasting them? I love roasting things. Mm, so I roast I. a lot of things. Yeah, I yeah. like, you know, capsicum roast is lovely. Yeah. yeah. And so it says on a baking dish, but hey, if you've got a cas- large casserole dish, you know, that's fine. Uh, place all the pesto ingredients except, of course, the optional peanuts and um, put them in a food processor and blitz until smooth. That's easy. Yeah. So you just need all the ingredients. Yep. So blitz all that in your in your um, processor. Uh, once smooth, you can add the peanuts if desired and just blitz them off. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit to get that crunch. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's quite a good idea. That's what I do anyway. Now, begin the risotto by placing the vegetable stock in a saucepan and heating over a medium heat. Meanwhile, place a wide uh, non-stick saucepan over medium heat, add the olive oil along with the onion and garlic and sauté for two or three minutes until translucent and fragrant. You get that beautiful, you know, you can smell it. Then you're adding the rice and peas and stir until combined and fully coated in the oil. Now, this is where you add the wine and you don't sip it while you're doing it, (laughs) add the wine and continue to stir until the wine has evaporated and mixed into the rice. Now, this is where we were talking about before, Catherine, you know, with the pouring the the water and all the stock in. I think that's the secret. Do you think that's the secret? Uh, Yes, because you need patience. A lot of people don't have patience. No, and we're always in a hurry. So you're actually getting a ladle, you know, a good old soup ladle or something like that, Add the hot stock one ladle at a time, mixing as you do. Now continue this process until the stock is fully observed, and this should take roughly about 20 minutes. Your rice should be tender with a slight bite. Mm. You know, we don't want it soggy. No. Do we? Or too crunchy. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a little story after this about rice. Remove from the heat and stir in three quarters of your pesto, not all of it, adding a little bit of water if the rice becomes too dry. So that's your judgment there. Um, Season well with sea salt, which I love, and black pepper, and cover and allow to just sit for a couple of minutes. I think that sort of sets it, you know, sort of really does, you know, just improves it anyway. Now, meanwhile, add sufficient water to the remaining quarter of the pesto to achieve a sort of thinner 
um, consistency for a pouring sauce so that we're going to pour over it. So serve that risotto in a nice dish because that's always good, you know, in a nice oh, round yeah. dish. Or yeah, eat with your like, eyes. Yeah, eat with your eyes. Good lady. And and just drizzle that pesto over and just get that parmesan cheese out and just sprinkle it over. The shaved one looks really good because, you know, it sort of folds and falls in different ways. And if you want to, you can put a bit of lemon as well. But Ooh. that is our risotto. Yum. And uh, it I was sounds saying yum, nice. I haven't even seen the picture yet. <laughs> wow. Let me have a look. Ooh, that does sound delishimo. That does look yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And it's in a nice And a bit of, of squeeze pottery. of lemon there with that one yeah, too. Yeah, a squeeze of lemon. Yes, yeah, squeeze of lemon. And it's always nice, you know, what you put it in. Yeah. You know, sort oh, of yeah. a nice um, uh, dish, you know, round dish. And that's obviously a lot nice pottery dish and it looks really great. But once upon a time when I was very young, and I was young, um, basically, I um, when I first learned to cook rice, I thought you just fried it without putting any water in it. Wow. Okay. And, and then dished it up. Oh dear! Yeah, that was that was a a, yeah. a big failure. How many teeth were broken? <laughs> I don't think they didn't need any. I think they just locked it up. I thought if you browned it, that was basically it. Yeah, oh, but anyway, I've come a long way. You since certainly then. have. And my son's a chef, and one's a baker, so I must have done something right. You eventually <laughs> yes. worked it out. Yeah, eventually worked it out. So there we are. There we go. Now, because you are well, we've gone through some a lovely sweet and a beautiful risotto. And you're potentially waiting while the risotto is cooking, while you're pouring it in. 20 minutes. I thought that we would play a song. Okay. Shaky groove thing. Oh, shaky booty. Yeah. While you're getting in the minute. I can't do it. Good one.
Oh, I hope that burned off some calories. <laughs> Shaking your groove thing around. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it would too. <laughs> Dancing around the kitchen. Absolutely. Well, this one here, Catherine, that I, um, I'm not a really gamey person. Yeah. No, I'm not really a gamey person. But I was at a function or, you know, a bit of an evening and um, somebody had brought venison burgers along, you know, for, for part of the barbecue. And and I sort of thought, oh, that was very nice. But I didn't want to take one because I thought, if I don't like it, it's a bit naughty not to eat it. So somebody took one and I said, look, can I have half of your one? Yeah. Just to try it out. And honestly, it would have to be the best venison anything that I've ever tasted. It was absolutely beautiful. And apparently it was cooked with a lot of pork fat oh. because venison's very lean okay, yeah. and everything. But I, and whatever else they put in it, yeah. but it was absolutely beautiful. So when I saw this, it said, you know, how the flavour pairing is with this power and venison meatballs with rosemary syrup. You know, they the pairing of the flavours is the thing. So apparently, this is um, you know just great um, pairing of flavours. So I haven't tried them, but I'm sure you would love to try them. And I'm not sure as powers they have a season. Uh, I'm not sure, but anyway, okay. I don't know actually. I'm not sure either. But anyway, you can buy them or you can go and gather them yourself. <laughs> so this is our power and venison meatballs with rosemary syrup. Now, I'm going to give you the syrup recipe to start with, uh, and this is a uh, half a cup of sugar, half a cup of water, and a small bunch of rosemary chopped coarsely. And I think most people do have rosemary, or you can buy yeah. in the little bottles, I think, in the um, supermarket, and one tablespoon of whole black peppercorns. Now, that's the syrup. I'll tell you what to do with the syrup in a moment. For the meatballs, we're having two power, which equates to about um, 250 grams or thereabouts, and uh, you need to clean that and mince it, you know. I used to have the old, you know, mince Yes, my there. father did too. Mm, yeah, Like this, yeah. but these days, you know, you can whip them into your magic processor, and I'm <laughs> sure if you chop them up, they mince up lovely. So, and 400 grams of venison mince, which I think the local butcher actually sells anyway. I'm pretty sure they sell venison. Don't I'm know. not sure, but um, not that I buy it, because as I say, it's never been top of my list for, for, <laughs> for meat. And uh, one small onion finely diced, uh, uh, half a cup of breadcrumbs, half a teaspoon of salt, half a teaspoon of ground black pepper, one egg, and of course, oil for cooking. So we're making the rosemary syrup first, So and uh, leave it to uh, steep while cooking the, meat, um, the meatballs. And I think that's great, you know, because you're getting all that flavour when it's just sitting. Combine all the ingredients in a small saucepan over a medium heat, and bring to boil, stirring until the sugar dissolves. Now that's easy. Remove from the heat and let the syrup steep for about 30 minutes. When ready, pour syrup through a strainer, of course, into a small jug or jar, and um, and that gets rid of the rosemary leaves and the peppercorns. And this can actually be stored in a sealed jar um, for up to a month, oh. so you can have it for other, you know, for other barbecues or for other stuff as well. Yeah. Now for the meatballs, we're going to mix the power, venison onion, breadcrumbs, salt, pepper and egg into a medium bowl until well combined. Now, um, my 
big brother who's you know no longer with us always used to he used to make the Christmas cake and he always used his hands. Yeah. You know, he says that's the best mixing tools yeah. that you can get. So um basically you could do this with the power and the venison meatballs. Using your hands, uh squeeze the, the balls together or you know, mix together so they're about the size of golf balls. So we all you know, that's a good size. And heat enough oil to cover the surface of a skillet or frying pan over a medium high heat. When the oil is shimmering, I suppose you could say that's it, <laughs> shimmering, um, work in batches to add the meatballs and cook on all sides until nicely browned all over. This should take 8 to 10 minutes per batch. So depending on how big your skillet is, how many you get. But I'm not sure how much the whole thing made. Probably about 18, I'm not sure. Um, and then remove from the heat and serve drizzled with that rosemary syrup. Unusual. Yeah. But nice. And not only can we do that with the syrup, uh, you can also do um, make a refreshing rosemary lemonade. Fill a glass with ice, add two tablespoons of the rosemary syrup and squeeze half a lemon into it and then pour over soda or tonic water. Oh, yeah. Stir and summer. enjoy. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I think it does sound really nice. And I, if I don't make the burgers, yeah. I'm going to make the syrup because yeah. I have got lots of rosemary in the so garden. Do I. So next time I see you, Catherine, I could have made this. Okay. And if I do, I'll send a photo through. Please yeah. do. Yeah. Please let me know. Yeah. So you can't really tell from the illustration because it's, um, you know, they're sort of pretty brown and everything, but, you know, oh, they, I like they the are syrup there. The syrup looks lovely. Mm. Yeah, they do look like a really. Well, it's a, quite a dark colour. Yeah, it it's is a dark colour. It's a dark colour. But I think, you know, the, um, the, 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 the burgers or the meatballs have been well browned yeah. and uh, that syrup over the top. Quite a different different mm. flavours. So there you are. You're going to have to try that. That sounds a bit fancy. Yeah, it does sound fancy. Nice to dish up, though. It does. Sounds very good. All right. Have we got time for one more, maybe? Have we got time? Well, well we'll see if we can. One. Yeah. Okay. We'll see if we can get through quickly with smoky chicken and chorizo. So this is here. It's um could be quite easy. So let's go quickly. Two hundred grams of chorizo sliced, eight shallots, which is your spring onions, five hundred grams of cherry tomatoes, two red capsicums chopped. One head of garlic, and I looked at that and I thought, one head of garlic? Does that mean a whole whole bunch of garlic? Uh, top trimmed, it says, so um, just go easy on it if you're not a garlic <laughs> fan, that's all I'm saying. Six boneless chicken thighs, skin on, two tablespoons of olive oil, half a teaspoon of smoked paprika, two sprigs of fresh rosemary, two tablespoons of red wine vinegar, two teaspoons of caster sugar, and a 390-gram tin of butter beans drained. And 200 grams of calamati olives if you like them. If you don't like them, just leave them out. Sea salt and cracked pepper for taste. We always talk about seasoning. You've got to season stuff. <laughs> right, heat the oven to 180 degrees Celsius. Fan bake if you want to. In a, a small skillet, fry the chorizo until crispy. There's no need to add oil as chorizo has got quite a bit of fat in it, mm. so it should come out. Um, and it should be nice and sort of crispy. So place the chorizo in a um, fairly large roasting dish along with the shallots, cherry tomatoes, red capsicum, garlic and chicken and top with olive oil, smoked paprika, rosemary, 
red wine vinegar. I was thinking if you haven't got red wine vinegar, red wine might do. But anyway, <laughs> caster sugar and season with salt and pepper. Now toss all that to combine and then turn the chicken thighs skin up over that. Place in the oven and roast for 40 minutes, occasionally basting the chicken thighs in the juices. Now, um, it's important to do that because you don't want it to dry uh, dry out. Remove the chicken thighs from the roasting dish and set aside. Add the butter beans because they really don't need cooking, do they? They just need heating through. And the olives, if you're going to use them, and gently store through, uh, stir through. Place the chicken thighs back on top and return to the oven for 10 or 15 minutes just to get those heated up again or until the chicken is cooked through and golden brown. So... That sounds that like sound? a really lovely Mediterranean dish. Yes, it does. Let me have a look. You could do oh, yum. That looks really delicious. It does I don't look actually lovely. eat meat. I'll just be. She's actually aghast and fallen over. But <laughs> I, I replace things with other. Oh, with other vegetables and other stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that those yeah. t- and you can actually get we can vegan put lentils in those. Yeah, but you can also get vegan chorizo sausages if you're inclined. And I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, oh can you? Yeah, I'm going to oh. do that. Oh, that okay. Looks amazing. It does look nice. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, great. I often put over vegetarian recipes anyway. Yeah. I sort of try to do vegetarian, um, gluten free, dairy free. You know, sort of quite a variety of yeah. um, dishes because. We all eat different things. Yeah, but th- that looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm, that's not nice. Highly recommended. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Gail. Oh, thank you. It's Can lovely I being here. Speak to you again soon. So this will play again on Tuesdays. Oh, okay. Yeah, but right. make sure you Make sure you're in. listening, folks. Or if you missed it all and you wanted to, you couldn't get those recipes down, head to our Facebook page and it will have the recipes on it. But also if you go to our website, this will be replayed. Mm-hmm. So you can listen to us again That's and right. dance around again with the music. <laughs> Love See you next time. Thank you, Catherine. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.